Are you ready? You're going to need to edit all this out once Al, once the interview with Al ends. We're just waiting for Al to call in. All right, we're going to get Al on the line here. Uh, 
their rings and having the banners flown the, the night of the game in, uh, in Cleveland. But you will, you will forgive me if I, I hope that that gets delayed by a year or so. <laughs> we would understand it. I, I just think that uh, I think it's our year. An interesting fact: if you bet on Cleveland and the Indians, the Cavs and the Indians to both win their championships in Vegas, it was sixty to one at the beginning of the oh, year. So somebody might have made some money. I don't know. <laughs> they may well have. Well, the Indians were expected to be. I mean, the Cavs, of course, were in the hunt for sure, and the Indians were expected to be a very good team. Um, and so, even though the way they got there was a little different with their pitchers being hurt and them having to figure out ways around that, but uh, there's two more games left starting tonight, and uh, it'll be into, it's going to be an interesting close to the series because. Um, you know, tonight they, the Cubs have Arietta. They've got Schwarber coming back, which is interesting. Um, and uh, Tomlin pitched a very good game the first time against the Cubs. So if he does that again, uh, that's going to be an issue. But, uh, but you know, it, this one's an interesting game. And then Kluber is, is lay, lurking for the final game. But the one thing with the Kluber game, uh, Hendricks will have his full complement of rest. Um, although Kluber has certainly shown that on three days rest he can get the job done. He's he's kind of the uh, Madison Bumgarner of this World Series. Absolutely. Uh, for me personally, I think tonight for the Indians, I think you walk Schwaber every single time. I don't even think you give him a chance to hit. Well, he's hitting second, though. So if you do that, then you got Bryant and Rizzo coming up. Yeah. It's it's one of those things. So, I don't, don't know, know if it happens. That may be, and I think that's the reason why he batted them second. Yeah, you might so, very well be right. Yeah, I mean, if he, if he batted them fifth or sixth, if he batted them fifth, let's say, or even fourth, they might be able to do that, although Zobras could hit behind him. But <clears throat> I don't know. It would be interesting to see. You know, listen, this series has, the fact that there's two more, uh, one more game or two more games left in it, um, I think has created some interesting possibilities because we don't know, you know, it, it's hard to tell who, who at any point is going to take over in this series, you know, which, what player is going to be or what aspect of, uh, you know, these two teams, because it's been varied. It hasn't been a totally consistent ride, even in this series, you know? Absolutely. We'll come back to that later. I, I want to get your prediction on that game before we get out of here. But first, we've got to talk a little sweet science. My first question to you, Al, we got Pacquiao and Vargas fighting this weekend, and no one seems to care. Can you tell me why that is and what both fighters hope to gain with the victory? Well, yeah, it probably was never going to be the kind of fight that was going to generate, uh, you know, it's obviously not going to generate the Pacquiao-Mayweather interest, and it, and it probably wasn't going to generate – the interest of some of Manny Pacquiao's other great pay-per-view events, but I think they, uh, the idea was to get him back into the fray, um, and and I think they did in Jesse Vargas. They don't obviously they don't have a wildly huge marquee name. They have a good fighter who I don't know if it, if uh, probably not enough people are convinced that he's going to win this fight, even though he's an excellent fighter. Um, and that may be part of the issue. Remember, originally they were trying to get Broner. Um, and and had they gotten Broner, this fight probably would feel differently, wouldn't it, a little bit? It, it still wouldn't be, it still wouldn't be um, 
a mega, mega, mega super fight, but it certainly would have been one that they would have had uh, other marketing possibilities for, though God knows, given the the recent past with Adrian Broner, who knows. But um, <laughs> but the, the the fact is that, you know, and Top Rank decided to go it alone, not be connected with HBO in this instance uh, because of the time frame of what was happening. Um, I, I, I think... You know, this fight is going to probably fall somewhere in between people don't care and it's just not as big as uh, other fights. I think there will be interest. Um, Manny Pacquiao is still a a figure that commands interest in the boxing world. Um, But how big that is, that's that's the question. Well, Jesse Vargas is an 8-to-1 underdog. And my question to you is, and maybe the fans want to hear this as well, what percentage do you give of Jesse Vargas pulling the upset over Manny Pacquiao on Saturday night. Well, you know, to me, see, to me, eight to one. You said eight to one, right? Eight to one. Yeah, that that feels that feels like long odds to me. I I I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, some of that has to do with the. I, I and again, I don't always understand the the odds makers. Um, in terms of, I don't understand. I, I, when I say I don't understand, I don't have the knowledge of the how all the gaming always works. But but I think some of that has to do with what they anticipate in terms of bets and everything. But but I, I think 8-1 to one is, is pretty high. I'm not saying Jesse Vargas is uh, is going to walk in there and uh, control Manny Pacquiao and, it's, it's, you know, and, he's, and, he's, and he's, he's a lock to do it or anything. But I think that we have an older fighter in Manny Pacquiao who has performed well in his last fight, light fight and so he – it's not as if he um, he's lost it or he's not capable of producing a good fight, but he is in his late 30s. And so given that, there's an element of a question, let's say. Uh, and I think that alone makes the odds less because you have a young fighter in Jesse Vargas who's a very solid B-plus fighter. That's exactly who he is. You know, he... he, 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 he he lost, but almost had Tim Bradley out at the end. He just won yeah, it the last fight in very impressive fashion against a very good fighter. Um, and so that's who Jesse Vargas is. He is not coming in there to lay down. Uh, and so, I don't know, I can't quantitative in numbers, but I think Jesse Vargas, it, it, it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world if Jesse Vargas found a way to pull this off. It, it's, he's a big underdog and deserves to be an underdog. Um, but... I don't think it's an impossible task for him. All right. Our next question. Will we see Floyd Mayweather back in the boxing ring in 2017? Rumors have been circulating that he showed up at the wild card gym twice. Freddie Roach said once to talk about, you know, his fighters. And the other time Roach said was to see if Manny was there because Freddie thinks that they want to do it again. What are your thoughts on that? And, Will we see Floyd go for number 50 in history? I'm going to say it's a 50-50 chance. Um, he's probably getting an itchy trigger finger, um, and, and one would have expected this. But the longer it goes that he doesn't fight, you would think that would mean he wouldn't. And yet Floyd Mayweather has a history in his career, though not at this age, mm-hmm. coming back after long layoffs. Now, he would be tempting fate in some ways, but, you know, he – and you might say to yourself, 
if if you're going to come back and fight that 50th fight, the natural person to fight would be someone you've already beaten. So it's not like you're taking on this new challenge. Uh, and I know the idea that Pacquiao had an injury and all the rest of it, but from Mayweather's standpoint, he or he knows he won that. You know, he already knows that he handled things. So uh, it wouldn't shock me if they were pitching that idea. Now I was thinking about viable opponents that he, you know, and we have uh, we have Danny Garcia and Keith Thurman going to fight in January, and that's a great fight where I think the winner could emerge as the front runner for Floyd, because I just don't think the public wants to see him and Manny do it again. Well, I think they would. They could build it to the point where they could get. I don't know. They could probably get a million, million five in terms of buys but they're not going to get anywhere close to where they were. And both those men have to make a lot of money to do it. Um, now the Pacquiao, the uh, Thurman Garcia, they're fighting March 4th. And uh, so whoever won that fight wouldn't be ready to go till June. September. But then that might, that might be when they would want to do it. I mean, of course, for the people that know boxing, that would be a much more interesting and better fight. And if there would be a way in this age of the mainstream media not covering the sport, unfortunately, especially in America, if there were a way to translate how good the winner of that fight is and how meaningful this fight is and how tough a challenge it is for for Mayweather, then it would be great. From an economic standpoint, uh, the problem is Floyd Mayweather, if he wants to make back the money that it's going to cost people to have him do it, or make it uh, value, potentially valuable enough, there's only a couple people he can fight. Manny Pacquiao's one. Gennady Golovkin might be another, and he's probably not going to do that. Um, you know, Floyd Mayweather, as evidenced by his last fight against Andre Berto, he needs a dance partner that makes sense in order to get a decent pay-per-view number. Yeah, now, I thought you said one of the most interesting things so far, and that was, that you would think he would pick an opponent he already beat. Now, Canelo Alvarez is the lineal middleweight champion of the world. Floyd beat him pretty easily in 2013. Could we see Floyd and Canelo before we see Canelo in Triple G? Because that would give Floyd a chance to win his fifth lineal title, something that no one's ever done. Well, that's not out of the question. Um, Now, Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy Promotions don't have the warmest relationship with uh, Al Heyman and with, uh, with the people that uh, Floyd Mayweather is associated with. So whether that would get in the way of it uh, remains to be seen. Usually money kind of erases those things. Um, and also, you know, do they feel that's the right thing for Canelo to do at this juncture? Uh, but you're right, that would be, a, that would be a, also an option. Okay, now the last, uh, well, we kind of alluded to it already. Do, do you think Triple G and Canelo will finally happen in 2017? I know they've circled September as a possible date that the two of them could meet. What do you think the likelihood is, or are we gonna, is this going to be another Pacquiao-Mayweather we got to wait for five years? Well, everybody in the middleweight division is doing the – some version of uh, Dean Smith's four-corner offense in basketball. You know, they're trying to play the – run the play clock, the, the uh, shot clock down as long as possible before they have to fight Golovkin, hoping that he will um, – there will be signs of erosion because of age. 
And some regard the last fight with Cal Brook as signs of that because Brook was able to land punches, even though Brook got knocked out, you know, in the fifth round or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he was able to land some punches against Golovkin. And Golovkin didn't look as sharp as he has in recent fights. So there is talk that in the first quarter of the year, Danny Jacobs will fight Golovkin. You know, they, that probably could have already happened this year, but uh, it didn't. Um, I think probably more doing owing to Jacobs' camp. And uh, my guess would be later in the year, um, I actually, and depending on how Golovkin looks in his previous fight or fights, it's possible that the Canelo-Golden um, Boy group will finally relent and, and let that fight happen. Um, the current state of the heavyweight division, which has always been the measuring stick, at least in my 37 years on this planet, for boxing enthusiasm from the average fan. We, you know, you, you, you made your bones in the golden era of the heavyweight division, and since we've had Tyson and Lennox and now Klitschko, we get Tyson Fury. What do you make of all the stuff that went on with him? And then my next question is, who will emerge in 2017 out of the group of, you know, contenders? We got Wilder, Joshua, Klitschko, and Ortiz. Who do you think has yeah, the best Parker chance? Too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Joseph Parker as well. <clears throat> um, well, first of all, on, David, on Tyson Fury, I knew Fury. I did a lot of his fights when I was doing the fights on Channel 5 in England, one of the networks there. Mm-hmm. And I, as he was getting to the point where he was going to be a champion. And I was around him a lot. And, you know, when you're with him one-on-one, or at least at that point in life, he is a, believe it or not, he's a funny, charming, ingratiating guy. Uh, I I was, uh, and I could never understand how I could be with him in that room. And then 20 minutes later, I'd see him acting like a goofball uh, at a press conference. It was like two different people. And so I guess he was putting on some kind of act. But, but clearly his life has spiraled, you know, out of control to a great degree. And what we can expect from Tyson Fury in the future, I think we have to kind of put all of it on hold because we don't really know where he's going to be as a person. Um, as a fighter, he's, you know, I, always, I was always one of those people that when people were denigrating Tyson Fury, while I, I agree with you made the key point, in another era in the heavyweight division, he might not have been a man that you thought of who could be the guy or be one of two or three guys of the guys, but this is a different era. So for this era, a big, tall heavyweight who can punch some, is very aggressive, and, and, and as we saw in the Klitschko fight, kind of knows how to make – you know, box a little bit and make fights difficult, that guy, <clears throat> when he's got those physical attributes, is a handful. And he's been a handful for a couple of heavy, for most heavyweights. But when you look at the landscape and factor in the other people, and given that Fury right now is, is, not a, is kind of a non-starter, of all of the people that are, are out there, I, I've long felt that the potential for someone to kind of take control, you have to look at Anthony Joshua. Um, he's, he's strong. He knows how to fight. Uh, he, he, he's had an impeccable amateur career, 
his experience. And we know he punches so hard. Now, there are still unanswered questions about him. He hasn't had a chance to fight great opposition yet. Um, most of the heavyweights we're talking about, other than Klitschko, haven't had a chance to fight great opposition yet. Uh, they have to fight each other. So when you look at, at Wilder and Joshua, Joseph Parker, Luis Ortiz, who recently signed with Eddie Hearn, which will make fights with people like Joshua and David Hay uh, more likely, um, and even fights with the Deontay Wilder more likely, because before when Ortiz was with Golden Boy, maybe it was more difficult to make that fight because of the enmity between uh, you know, him and, and the, uh, the Heyman people. But now what 2017 needs for boxing is for some combination of those people to fight each other. Now, they're talking mm-hmm. about Klitschko and Joshua, which I also think is a fight that would be good for boxing, which they talked about for December 10th, but now it, if it happens, it would be in the open arena uh, maybe in the spring or summer. Um, of course, the fight at the end of the day, the fight that fans probably want to see the most is Joshua and Wilder. I don't know if we'll get to that yeah. in 2017. I hope we do. Boxing can't wait forever to start making the matches people want. Um, but I, I would hope that would happen at the near the end of 2017. Your, your count, one of your counterparts, Max Kellerman, his theory was that Tyson Fury, because he's such an ego maniac that he talked himself to the mountaintop, but now the thought that somebody might knock him off of it is why he's coming up with these excuses to not defend his title. What do you, how much credence do you give to that? Do you think that it plays a part? Because we've seen it before. We currently have someone running for president who has a little bit of that in him and they don't like to lose, and when they're and when they do, it's it's kind of a recall on their whole being. So, what do you think about that? Well, that's not who. That's not who. But he doesn't really know Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury. Okay. Is at the at the root of Tyson Fury. He does that. That whole thing is just some big, um, you know, it's 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 a crazy act, and and clearly the drug use and all the rest of it shows that Tyson Fury's life spun out of control. Um, I don't. It's not about him not having enough confidence to step in the ring with somebody. Um, even the Klitschko fight, you know, he walked into that Klitschko fight. Let's be honest. Was he was he uh, um, was he awed by the moment? Now Klitschko fought a terrible fight, but Tyson Fury didn't walk in and get whacked out. Um, so I don't know if it has to do with that. I think it's just that his life spun out of control, and once it spun out of control, the boxing, you know, kind of went along with it. All right, here's the here we got about three minutes left, and here's the main thing that myself want that I wanted to know, and I know the fans want to know. November nineteenth, we have what I think is the best fight of probably the last ten years. I think it's bigger in terms of Kovalov and Ward both being at or near their primes, undefeated, a legit fifty-fifty fight. I remember you and I talking before Chad Dawson and Andre Ward fought several years ago, and both you and I thought Chad Dawson was going to be able to go in there, and boy, were we wrong, uh, especially yeah, about the I weight. Thought was, I thought he was give, competitive. Yeah, give me, give me your keys to this matchup, and I don't believe you're calling the fight, so if you have a prediction on it, that would also be yeah. great as well. 
Yeah, you know, I, I it's a really intriguing fight. I agree with everything you said. You know, it's a fascinating fight. Uh, and 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 on top of that, Ward going up in weight uh, to fight a very hard punching light heavyweight. Kovalev, who has shown us certain boxing skills that people probably weren't willing to give him credit for. Um, Andre Ward, while he's not a power puncher, does have enough zing in his punches to keep people honest, and he's going to have to do that against Kovalev. Um, you know, the, what I think we're going to see from Andre Ward, by the way, is a very uh, diverse and varied game plan. We're not going to see the same Andre Ward for all portions of the fight. We're going to see Andre Ward box a little bit, but he doesn't want to get caught on the outside constantly to get nailed with a big right hand or something. So he's going to use that, but then he's going to change pace. Then I think he's going to end up inside with Kovalev. Um, he's a very good inside fighter, tying him up so he doesn't get hit with the big power punches. Um, and I think he's going to show him as many different looks as possible. To me, it's going to be, we were talking baseball earlier, kind of like a pitcher that throws you know, a lot of junk, a lot of different kinds of pitches, and wants to never let you know, the batters get in a, a rhythm. That, I think, is what Ward is going to try and do to Kovalev. And I think this fight really comes down to um, whether Kovalev's power is enough to make a serious difference in this fight and whether he can land those punches. And, and your thoughts on the outcome? And I think the outcome, if you ask, if somebody put a gun to my head and said you had to pick a winner, I would lean toward Andre Ward by decision. But it is absolutely a 50-50 fight. I agree. My my opinion on it is that Andre Ward hasn't lost a fight since he was 13. I've said for the last 10 years that I think besides Floyd Mayweather that Andre Ward's the best fighter in the world. And um, now with this layoff and everything, I think you, brought, you hit the nail on the head. He's going to have a game plan. Bernard Hopkins, I think, said it best when he said that no one is better at taking away an opponent's best weapon than he is except for Andre Ward. And I think Andre, Andre Ward's going to take him. Yeah, when Bernard Hopkins looks at Andre Ward, he sees a lot of Bernard Hopkins in there. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and, and for me, yeah, I think – yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, and I, and I agree with you. Andre, he, he's a winner. He knows how to win. And Now, he could get nailed with something huge, though, in this fight. He's never faced a puncher as big as Kovalev, never, um, mm-hmm. never. in his life. So, and he was hurt early in his career once or twice, but, you know, got through it. So – the power of Kovalev is certainly a, a, a factor. Yeah, and I think that we're going to – I think in – I agree with you. I'm going to be a little more bold in my statement, though. I think Andre Ward wins the unanimous decision and gives Kovalev a boxing lesson. Not as bad as Mayweather did to Pacquiao, but I think it's going to be like eight rounds to four. Could be. That's not, that's not impossible. And just – and you know this, Al, better than anybody because people say it all the time about Floyd. When you get in the ring with him, you didn't think he hit that hard. And I think Kovalev's going to see that with Ward, the same way Chad Dawson did. You think Andre doesn't hit hard, but when you get in there, you realize it's a whole different thing. Yeah, he's got pop in his punch. You know, he's not – right, he's, he, he, does, he hits hard enough to keep you honest. A perfect example is his fight with Carl Frotch. Uh, you know, he – Frotch has a great chin, right? And so his Granted. chances of knocking Carl, yeah, knocking Carl Frotch out were minimal. But 
he landed, and I, I remember sitting ringside at that fight, calling it and saying to myself, you know, he's doing, he's, Kyle Frotch can't just run in, you know, he, he's, he's being aggressive like Kyle Frotch does, and he's doing his thing, but, but he, he cannot, he has to be mindful of being hit by Andre Ward, uh, and, and absolutely, that's, Al, Al, I got 30 seconds, I, I'm sorry, I, I, we always go over, but uh, Indians, Cubs, I got it 4-2, Tribe wins it all tonight, what do you think, I'm what do you got? Say, well, the, 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 uh, my intellectual size says the Tribe winning 4-3, to three, but my heart says the Cubs winning 4-3. to three. All right, Al, thanks. for. We'll, we'll try to get you back on after the Ward-Kobolaw fight. As always, a pleasure. Thanks. Take care. Bye.